Welcome. 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 We are here. Let the music be your master. We're excited to. Are you bring playing you. a game during this? Jordan? No, I've got I've got my cue cards. <laughs> Just crashing candies oh. over there. I've got oh. my cue cards. No, I'm playing twenty forty eight right now. As you know. <laughs> that that was my life for about three months. Twenty forty eight. I used to dream of twenty forty eight. But we're we're excited. It's been a while since we recorded an episode. Um, I'm going to introduce myself, and we'll go around and introduce ourselves. My name is Jordan Harmon, and I'm joined by Brandon Arnold. Steve Ricks, Jason Johnson, and Janelle Tuttle. Yes, yes. Wow. Yes. Round of applause for Janelle. Yes. Round of applause. We're excited to have Janelle Tuttle with us, Um, uh, an avid listener to the podcast. And one of the longest time listeners. A long time listener. I've listened to every episode. Yeah. And yeah, and, and our first actual female. Uh, guest host, Woo-hoo. which is exciting. We tried to too. get Hillary Clinton. We're she, breaking uh, the glass ceiling. We're really advancing the cause. No, um, so but we're excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna give us the the title. We're gonna just jump in since you know I'm gonna give us the title, but then we're gonna you know do a little bit of business before. But today, our, the title of our episode of this interesting, we'll see how it goes, unwieldy perhaps episode is sailing the seas of cheese. Basking in the best, and perhaps worst, of soft rock, adult contemporary, yacht rock, easy listening, and grown folks music. So that's the title of the, of, of the episode. We'll, I'll describe more about what we're going to be doing. So this throws this me episode. off a little bit. I stopped reading the email after sailing the seas of cheese. I thought this was a, a primus. primus. Yeah. Yeah. It was going to be a primus <laughs> memorial <laughs> and just go deep dive Crap. into the deepest of deep cuts. Right, I'm going to start doing homework. <laughs> Yeah, I, I liked the the sailing the seas of cheese because I knew you, we'd get some Primus, get you excited about Primus, and then we just do a U, sharp U turn. No, no, we're literally going to be do- talking about sailing and songs that have sailing and nautical themes and that are typically considered cheesy. Um, so, but before we get into what this episode's going to be and the format and all that stuff, Jason Johnson has a little award. Rather than uh, tell me something new, he's got a little well, award. It, is, to it present. is tell me something good. I think it's still something good. Um, in uh, as a, uh, I th- this is a two, well, maybe a three part thing. Um, I don't think we've ever done this before, but uh, I've got a, I've got a gift here for uh for for our our esteemed guest janelle <laughs> i wrapped that myself this is a surprise um, to her happening live on air just yeah. so everyone knows am i supposed to open it now <laughs> yeah yeah open go it for up. it go for it um it's it's uh one to celebrate your recent huge music league win <laughs> janelle was the Undisputed champion of music league. I kept thinking every week. I would say maybe this is the week that I lose, and it never happened. It, you, you destroyed us. Um, I took third to last place. By the way, um, it's also uh, to thank you for being uh, for helping us really broaden our perspective on the on the podcast by by getting a finally a female perspective. Um, and it's also a little bit of an apology for all the mean comments that I made during uh, during Music Week. <laughs> so what I did is I uh, th- this is my favorite art to give. Um, I took something out of my my oh, personal yeah. collection. Oh, very that is cool. A, uh, 
That is a, a, a first pressing of Whoa. Joni Mitchell's Whoa. blue. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a gatefold. It's nice. The the record is in there. It's a mint. It's oh. perfect. Not oh a scratch on it. So you can listen to it if you'd like, or it looks great on the wall. And uh, congratulations and thank you. And uh, wow. Well, wow. wow, I really thought my prize was making dessert for everybody. At well, our I didn't, house. That was fun too. Yeah. I, I'm sure that was fun. I didn't I didn't get the dessert anyway. <laughs> well, congratulations thank you. I am and. Uh, like, and welcome and thank you. So excited. Let's see. Can we, Steve, will you give us, or Janelle, will you give us a 15 second overview of what Music League is for listeners that are like, oh, what the sure. heck are they talking about? Okay. So, Music League is an app that you can download onto your phone. And um, the way I came about it is my husband was in a league with a friend of his. But basically, what you do, and you can set it up however you want, there's lots of parameters you can play around with. But basically, in our league, we were 10 weeks, and each week you had a prompt, and then you anonymously submitted two songs, and then everyone in that league voted and made comments. And uh, and then you just had a, you know, you had the comments and results would come out once a week, and then whoever was the winner, it was just a, a continuous um, counting of points. So... And I was the big winner. And you, yeah. and this is, episode is brought to you by Music League and Spotify. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not giving Spotify any any any, any corporate sponsorship. That's true. <laughs> yeah, you, it does. Music League does work with Spotify, so it was a little tricky that for was, some people in our league who <laughs> did not have Spotify. Anyway, you were uh, you were the queen. You were the champ. Congratulations! Thank you for joining us. And uh, and yeah, enjoy that. Play oh, it, listen to it, yeah. or put it on your wall. Do whatever you want. No, oh, I'm very excited. Woo! Thank Very you. Nice. I, yeah, nice. Seriously, this is awesome. <laughs> he's a he's a great gift giver. Yes, we, I think all of us have benefited from a Jason Johnson record at least once. Mm-hmm. Steve, I got you one day. Actually, I, I got to find a CD for Steve. I'm going to gift you a CD, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I got boxes of them. Thanks, Thanks, Jason. Jason. <laughs> and we really did love your comments. Some of them were just like, ouch. <laughs> like, yeah. I think I was so used to it, I didn't even notice it until I started to join in, and then I got a little bit of a rebuke by, from someone. I was like, oh, I better, I better sit back a little I, bit. I think the hardest was for our friend who nobody knew Adrian yeah, yeah, yeah. very well and that landslide one you just <laughs> oh man you're like if you're an adult you should know better this is awful if you're a kid I'm sure you have great music taste that, that really hurt <laughs> you can you can clarify, sh- it was the Smashing Pumpkins cover of yes Lensley. you can share that um, the original is fantastic oh, even crap. if Jason doesn't like I it I need to <laughs> Jason okay. thought he had um, assuaged his guilt with his oh, gift man. and no. now he's back to the drawing board <laughs> not to bring up all the uh, old okay. just live with it just, Jason I, just no just I, I will I will, I will, public, I will okay. publicly apologize that was Oh, it, <laughs> I was I was mean. It's okay. We we Adrian, made up. Adrian seemed fine. Yeah, at the we party. we made he, up for he it. Was, he was rolling with it. <laughs> uh, shoot. Anyway, well. Jason, I'll join I wanna do a music league just with you where we just rip on each other's choices <laughs> just back and forth. Well and I have fun. to say Only I, down learned, allowed. <laughs> I learned of some great yeah. new bands from Music League and mainly from Jason. Yeah. So. It's a it is a great way to to share music that you haven't heard. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well. 
Good job, guys. Well done. People. <laughs> All right. So we're going to dive in to our, our episode now. So Let's sail these seas of let's, cheese. We're going to sail the seas. Yeah. And this is a little unwieldy because it was like, what's this? Ep- i was been trying to figure out this episode for like over a year in terms of I've got, you know, we've got our different episodes and I was thinking this could be fun. What's the through line? Because it was like, is it just Yacht Rock? But then it's, is it adult contemporary? Is it soft rock? Is it smooth jazz? You know, and, and basically it came from some of our discussions about you know some of the kind of pulls or the the trends that shift from one side to the other and the and just my own personal sense of like there's this kind of pull sometimes between angsty uh you know angsty music versus chill music and i tend towards even though i like some in both camps my default tends to be towards the chill kind of music and when there's been certain yacht rock renaissances that have occurred or certain kind of thing of where like the kind of chill wave or whatever comes back it's like oh this is this stuff speaks to me um so i was interested in what, finding the through line so one one thing i shared with you guys i'll just read it it's a brief part of the wikipedia thing on adult contemporary and this might help find some of the through line what we're talking about it says here adult contemporary is a form of radio played popular music ranging from 1960s vocal and 1970s soft rock music to predominantly ballad-heavy music of the present day, with varying degrees of easy listening, pop, soul, R&B, quiet storm, and rock influence. Adult contemporary is generally a continuation of the easy listening and soft rock style that became popular in the 60s and 70s, with some adjustments that reflect the evolution of pop rock music. It goes on to talk about kind of melodic, kind of simple uh, kinds of sounds. So I want to just illustrate my own personal kind of awareness that this was something that at some level i had some connection or some default attraction to and it came you know some of us here were kind of in high school and junior high in the 90s and it was not cool at all to be into cheesy music right during that time so the first thing was one of my musical influences my cousin i've mentioned him a couple times my cousin tim some of you know him um, a couple years older than me he kind of introduced me to hip-hop and a lot of you know music that i thought was the coolest stuff in the world in the mid 90s and one of the times i was visiting with him he shares this new album he's got and how much he loves it and it was back to front Lionel Richie's album Back to Front and I was like what the heck is he is he joking like he loves Lionel Richie but at the same time I knew my cousin to be kind of a contrarian figure where you know when everyone's into something he's kind of into something else right so he's showing me these Lionel Richie songs and it was like I was kind of loving it ironically you know but he was so like loving it I started listening to it more I bought the Lionel Richie album and Brandon, if you don't mind, cue up Do It Do It To Me by Lionel Richie. And just listen listen to this music for a minute. Imagine this came out in 1992. 1992. Imagine being having been listening to, you know, Jeremy by Pearl Jam and Nirvana and all this angsty stuff and like Led Zeppelin and classic rock and just knowing that it's not cool at all to listen to anything like this. And hearing it, and like the coolest person in your life is loving it, and you're just, you feel this weird thing unlocked where you're like, can I actually unironically and joyfully embrace this? And and it was it was bliss listening to this Lionel Richie album in the mid '90s to me. And so, but it's interesting too because I'm also hearing that it was weirdly a form of rebellion. Yes, totally. It was like the the most like counterculture person I know is unabashedly. 
loving this, right? And so it felt, but it also genuinely felt like I love hearing someone sing something earnest that's like he's not even hiding what he's talking about. The lo- the song is called Do It To Me, but it's not like salacious. It's like it's like Do soft what? and I'm not follow I'm not following topically <laughs> watch, I think. watch the video, but <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 like the lyrics of a lot of these songs are kind of they're not hidden, they're not trying to be, you know, oblique or anything. But the other thing I realized is Part of it for me, I could like it because it wasn't white music either. So I still had this real rebel, like this real distaste for anything that was cheesy by white artists, right? And slowly that eroded as I started appreciating Hollow Notes and others from the same same period. So the second thing, and this will be really brief, a couple years later, I'm working at at Subway sandwiches, and. Uh, and so uh, Jordan Knutson, right? Yeah. Some uh, Brandon and Jason know Jordan Knutson. I'm working at Subway Sandwiches, I think, with Jordan Knutson. I'm playing some of my music that I just, you know, of course, we all think that our music taste is the best. And so in the mid-90s, I'm, I'm one of those people. And she makes the comment, like, your music all sounds like elevator music. <laughs> and there was a brief moment where I was like, is that a criticism or is that the best compliment I've ever <laughs> had in the world? So, and, and so cue up Grey Boy All-Stars. Uh, track called La Jolla and I don't know if this is the song that was playing but this was the kind of music I was listening to that I didn't perceive as elevator music but then when she said it I'm like okay like actually I do sometimes really like the songs playing in elevators or in department stores so if it's do you have the you, you are not going to call the Grey Boy All Stars elevator music well listen to it and, and ask yourself like how is how would someone like Jordan Knudsen or something listen to something like this and think that in their in their head that it was elevator music yeah uh, while he's looking for that I'm going to put a pin in this because yeah. I hope we're going to have when you talked about. Um, Lionel Richie just saying it how it is, like he's, yeah. there's no there's no subtlety, there's no subtext. Um, I want to put a pin in that, and I I have some real nits that I want to pick yes. at some point. Absolutely, and, and you know what I what what my brain does with uh, with genres and subgenres. I feel like I'm getting good at saying that word. Yeah, you um, are. You've, you've, <laughs> you've come a long way. So two and a half years, really so nailed it. But uh, but there's some things that I really want to want to dig into on on this because I'm I do struggle a little bit with it. I yeah. feel like in some cases it may be as arbitrary as New Wave, um, the the idea of it. Trying to group it. Anyway. Yeah, this is, it. yeah. So listen to this. Grey Boy All-Stars, La Jolla. So I don't know if this was the exact song I was listening to, but this was the type, some of the type of music I was listening to, like instrumental, cool in the gang, the meters. And I think there's certain, some people who, something that's groovy and instrumental and kind of laid back and chill was basically elevator music or Muzak to them. You know, it was kind of like, oh, what is this like department store music? And for me, like at the time, I was like, oh, smooth jazz, Kenny G, that stuff sucks. But this stuff is amazing. But I had to look at it and say, you know, to someone who's not listening to really anything instrumental, they might hear this and it's just the same to their ears. Right. So anyway, that's just a brief setup. I And so I asked 
my esteemed colleagues here to think about another prompt was think about songs you might have heard in the in the dentist chair or at Nordstrom's during the 90s and were there any that you unabashedly liked from say the 70s 80s and 90s and bring those songs and we'll do a round of 70s we'll do a round of 80s we'll do a round of 90s but we'll also talk and and you know we're going to keep it content or uh, or tight but we're gonna we'll ha- we'll hear from the composer we'll, we'll hear we'll hear from the the kind of sampling guru we'll hear from janelle who kind of the music of the 70s and, and early 80s were prominent in her life and so um so yeah, any any thoughts from you guys before we get into our rounds? Do do we want to do the uh, the three word description? Sure, what, let's what do it. What three words come to mind when you think of adult contemporary? Let's do it. You start us off, Brandon. Uh, okay. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so. <laughs> it it, it kind of depends on kind of no. depends on the mentality, right? Mm-hmm. You could have the uh, derogatory terms, or you could have the the appreciative ones. Whatever, whatever you're feeling. If you're feeling the love, go there. If you're feeling the the, the hate, <laughs> go there. <laughs> let it flow. So, I mean, you hear the the term adult contemporary. My my knee jerk reaction of adjectives is. Uh, Boring, um, pandering, uh, shallow. Okay, let's hear. From, <laughs> let's hear from Steve. A word that I read this morning as I was reading a Rolling Stone article about Yacht Rock. More about that later, perhaps. Was unwind. I love that word. It's making crackle so much. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and cheese. Am I allowed to use a word that's in the title of the podcast? Episode? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And uh, smooth. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, boring came to mind. Like uh, sometimes, maybe like like saccharin. Like it, it's. I, I don't know. It's, yeah, saccharin works. Boring saccharin. Schlocky. Schlocky. Can I say that? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Let's hear from Janelle. Okay. Um, you get to say the nice ones, Janelle. I, I will say the nice <laughs> ones. Um, for me, like, mellow. Like, not boring, but just mellow, you know, something that... This is going to be the, the great example of reframing. I'm yeah, super yeah, excited. Nice, nice <laughs> neutral term. Yeah. Uh, instrumental, and then harmonies. Yeah. And the harmonies are a little more towards the soft rock, um, not right. yacht. Like, there's a mm-hmm. definite difference between yacht rock and soft, and rock. soft rock, easy listening. But. Right, right. Yeah, I'd say I'm, I'll go kind of in the vein of uh, uh, laid back. Um, um, oh, Steve, you, you really took some of mine. Um like uh what's the, what's another I, word I, I have another word relaxed yeah unchallenging unchallenging okay Safe. i'm gonna say and the next yeah, yeah. one i'll say is um i'll say grown up <laughs> like i mean that that's coming from the grown folks music side like that okay i'm, I'm done whining conceit i'm gonna die and i'm gonna have a good time before i die i'm just turning it in 
Uh, no, I'm going to go sailing. <laughs> going to go Retire, retirement. Well, it's there's to me there's a, and this is part of the rebelliousness is like looking at the looking at the youth culture as oh, isn't that sweet? Remember when we thought everything was so important and everything that we talked about was so we had so much angst and so much drama and everything and now we can just like sip our red wine and and you know get into the hot tub and you know whatever like that that's the the mentality there so anyway let's go ahead and how do we want to let's see let's go ahead and do our well let, let me have uh i I don't want to, since we're going to do the rounds, can, I don't think we need to go, can go I, as deep into the segments. Could I make a request? Yeah, let's, let's hear it. I, I'm wondering, because I, I do feel like Janelle is the actual, like, well, Janelle Jordan, <laughs> co-experts will say on this. Sure. Um, you said a thing that made me think, and I'm curious, maybe you could uh, elaborate on it a little bit, and if this steps on something no, you this is good. This going is good. forward. You threw out some terms, and I think... It felt like you had strong opinions on it because you said um, yacht rock is different than soft rock. So that's based I, on my I'm, Wikipedia. I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> could so there's like this big umbrella term, adult contemporary, mm-hmm. but then there's these these divisions within it. Would you care to? Maybe break it down a little bit. Let's sure. Yeah, I would like to um, hear this. Yeah. Okay. Because that might help set us up for the discussion. Because Absolutely. I think as we start p- pulling songs, in my brain, it will it will help if I have an idea yeah, yeah, yeah. of kind of where the songs are falling with, right. within this. Because there is, I mean, this is a broad umbrella. So, um, so as far as like easy listening, that even like early on, and I'm just going to look at my notes here. Um, easy listening was more instrumental. It was a little, it was more like 70, 80% instrumental to like, 20, 30% vocals, but that's some of the earlier, that's kind of the precursor to adult contemporary. And then, um, which is more of the softer stuff. Um, could I, uh, could I play an example of that? Sure. Uh, so this is called love is blue by Paul Mariette from 1968. I think I'd never heard of this you song. know this song well, only because of last from the research. Night. From yeah. the research, let's hear it. It was in the Wikipedia. It was like sixties. Yeah, I'd never heard it. But either. It, it was mentioned as the uh, on the adult contemporary. I don't know if it was called that at the time, but on the on those charts, it had the record for being. It on was it on for, like, for the eleven for eleven yeah, weeks. Eleven yep. weeks, and I, I think it's representative of like what you're describing mm-hmm. with easy listening. Love is blue by Paul Mariette. Got that 60s harpsichord in there. Oh, I like this. I'm in. <laughs> I'd, I'd easy, like to, listen, easy listening, you have my heart. <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to a band called Mannheim Steamroller. After this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Obo takes the lead. Wow. Yeah. This could be in like one of the lesser known Sergio uh, Leone movies Absolutely. or something. <laughs> yeah. Or probably in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie yep. at yeah. some point, you yeah. know. Yeah. And it's uh, it's two and a half minutes long. It goes on like this. Mm-hmm. There's no no vocals. Right. 
Yeah. And actually, hearing it a second time, I I have a vague memory of hearing that at some point in my life, like whether my grandparents played it at one point or my cousins, like you know, I do. That it sounds familiar. That was in the dentist office during the seventies, <laughs> right? And. Uh, 1968, this is uh, the year the White Album comes out, mm-hmm. year before Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. So mm-hmm. very different from things that the, the teens were listening to. Yeah. Right. So thank you for that. Um, so one question I had as I was thinking about this, I'm like, okay, so what is the difference between soft rock and yacht rock? Because mm. you think, you know, what what qualifies as one or the other and so um because there's there's bands you know i grew up with cat stevens and you know kind of the more mellow james taylor <clears throat> yeah um but what it what it in my research uh soft rock is derived from folk rock and is more acoustic and so that's where you get like the cat stevens james taylor Carol King mm-hmm. also shows up in there. Um, bread, which I actually, I had a lot of, I listened to a lot of bread when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's more, the soft rock is more a little bit folk influenced. And then the yacht rock is more polished. It's more mm-hmm. of a studio sound. You've got, um, it, it's just a more produced yeah. sound and catchy, you know, catchy tunes more harmony stuff like that so can i say something too about yes. the, the yacht rock so yacht rock was a term that wasn't even made until 2005 mm-hmm. and initially some of those bands were at the time were referred to as blue-eyed soul and they were basically doing like they loved bill withers and al green and marvin gay and they were basically kind of like hey I, that's good tasteful music let's do our best you know let's do stuff like the the soul and funk people are doing so you had the Doobie Brothers and Hall and Oates that loved funk and soul music but they just happened to be white guys and even Chicago early on Chicago totally Chicago mm-hmm. yeah so I yeah. think that's important to, to yacht rock is a term that's become really popular and even guys like Michael McDonald kind of love that term now but at the time people were oftentimes referencing it as blue eyed soul so I found a uh, there's now a master class episode on yacht rock nice and I refuse to give master class my money but uh, <laughs> but they do have an outline of their uh, of their their three characteristics of let's yacht hear, rock do you want it. to hear what master yeah, class is mm-hmm. number one crystalline production. Mm-hmm. Number two, harmonic sophistication. <laughs> and number three, centered in Los Angeles. Interesting. Yeah, the West Coast. Yeah. So, right. Steely Dan. Yeah, Steely mm-hmm. Dan. Which is a thing that, that I want to come back soul. to on this because it anyway. is. It totally is. Because I, mean, I know you like Steely Dan. You yeah, guys like Steely Dan, it? but they why are. Fight it? Like, so they just are, like when Jason like? can't have like? Talking Heads be It's going to be the Talking Heads thing all over again. So, there's a website called Yacht or Not. And it's anyway, it's spelled kind of funny, but but Steely Dan shows up so many times on yeah. that list as yacht, like it's total yacht. I've either yeah. no matter what we the consensus we come to, I'm going to have an excuse for my take on this. But I I this is one one of my nits I definitely want to pick on this is Steely Dan specifically. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, I think we'll come back. So to what's the I problem? Also if think Steely Dan's yacht rock, then so, your whole foundation yes. of what you hate is crumbling <laughs> because you can't hate purely. So I'm just going to make a proposition. Maybe you can live with this. That. Michael McDonald is the thread that goes through all of it that's the Yacht Rock thread. Okay. Because he was in Steely Dan for a bit. I Here's my he sing, thing he with Steely Dan. Peg, right? 
Here's my thing with Steely Dan. You, and you said it. It goes back to the thing before. Should we play like, one of these to hear. Sure. Hear if it fits. Which one? What's their? I mean, what's their yacht? Play peg. peg. Well. Or there's one from the 80s, that, from 1980 that I heard the other night. That was yeah, like, a song oh, called FM, which is kind of like radio. <laughs> try, try FM. I'll do Peg. Okay, try pe- Peg. Do Peg. Yeah, I could, I could sail on a boat to this. So here's the deal. I freaking love Steely Dan. Here's why I think there's something slightly different than Yacht Rock. And I maybe at best they're like the punk the punkest version of Yacht Rock. But when you <laughs> You've talk gotta find a way to justify but no, well, it. Because no, like you said it yourself, Lionel Richie, you, you gave the example yeah. and you said he just says what it is. Yeah, yeah. Steely Dan has this underlying current of borderline sinisterness yeah, to yeah. them. They're named after a sex toy from a knob from a 70s novel or 60s novel. They are they sing about drug use, they sing about sex, they sing about the seediest side of life. Um, topically some of their songs border like very uncomfortable things. It seems very antithetical to like the ease of yacht rock, yeah. but then it's combined antithetical. With, yeah, thank you. The this perfect production and this easy listening. And so you can get lost in a Steely yeah. Dan song and go, oh, I love Black Cow. This is incredible. And then when you actually listen to the lyrics, he's talking for the whole time about how high he was at this party. And so there's this... It Somehow it makes it something different within the realm of Yacht Rock mm. because it is like Yacht Rock something my mom would listen to. But if I had my mom listen to Steely Dan at some point, she would... Tell me that it was her word would be See, like earthy. It's too earthy. That's what to me makes them maybe the best of yacht rock in that in the sense that they like because it's not to me it's not like the virtue of this music is that they they are cheap like the people who like the music don't like it because it's cheesy they like it because it's good and a lot of artists are when they're when they're good they're doing things they're contrasting things they're doing stuff that are melodic and light but the themes are heavy and they're not the only ones like like there was that whole thing of the 80s musicians or bands that were doing like stalker songs right like <laughs> like hollow notes you know if you want to get a cd like private eyes it sounds like such a nice song when you listen to it and watch the video and you're like oh this is a song about a guy stalking a woman like and she's not necessarily into that <laughs> you know what i mean like uh so so, so yacht I, rock cover for creeps yes exactly mm-hmm. got That's, it okay <laughs> no i i think uh yeah anyway i i appreciate janelle you bringing in the soft rock because i think the singer songwriter and just like in the 70s that was the cool thing that was somewhat t- for some people that was yeah rebellious. And that, that that's was cool. really like the soft rock is what i grew up with so just a little background I'm the youngest by several years in my family. So my brother is 13 years older than me. So he, you know, and my, anyway, they're 13 years older, 11 years older, nine years older, and then me. So there's a nine year gap. And so I 
grew up just listening to what my brother had in his record collection. And he was listening to Bread and to, you know, Cat Stevens. Cat Stevens. Yeah. Like he had, I listened to the, um, he had both the T for the Tillerman and Teaser and the Firecat albums. I listened to those a ton. And then my sister, um, she never listened to a lot of music when she was at home, but she got married when I was eight. And I remember going to listen, you know, going to visit her. And so it must have been records that her husband had, but I remember Bread. Like I listened to Bread all the time. Mamas and the Papas, which is kind of the earlier, like that's kind of the earlier, like 60s that that's that folk became. Part. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then. And then the Carpenters mm. are who I just have always loved. And part of that is because Brandon was hearing this the other day, but my grandparents, um, they had, they lived out in the middle of nowhere. So there was really nothing to do, but they had this huge pool and my grandpa had the most amazing sound system, wired speakers everywhere in his house. And out at the pool, there was like, I mean, the, the speaker was literally like five feet by four feet tall like it was just a ginormous speaker and you could put on the records and then you could just flip the switch and it would play just in you know just out by the pool and so we had and i pool think rock there's a new genre emerging <laughs> there we go. Here. Pool rock. Yeah. and i think there was only one carpenter's album that they had it was called then and now i think it's like a 1975 album but i listened to that all the time and then i just loved her voice so much karen carpenter Mm. has the most amazing voice and so i was drawn into that even though my siblings like they listened to it at grandma's house but they weren't listening to it at home but i was listening to that you know any chance i could and then the other memory i have i'll just share this quickly because it's such a memory in my mind is being at my grandma's house also and she had a little portable you know am fm radio and I was supposed to be taking a nap because he always had to take a nap at grandma's house. And I was too old for naps. I was like eight or nine years old. And I wanted to just not take a nap. So I would listen. I'd go in that room and that little AM FM radio was in that room. So I turned it on and I'd find a station. And I still, this is the most hilarious song, but the memory is, so it's Dan Hill Sometimes when we touch, and you uh, gotta start yeah, playing like that. You gotta listen to it. Yeah, yeah, you gotta play that one. How this? old were you? This so I, I just remember being little, like, but probably like, I don't know when that came out. I probably have it somewhere in my notes here. But um, oh, great pick! Oh my goodness! But I just remember listening to that and like almost like crying, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And in '77, I was four years old, so it probably was being played on the radio for a couple years after. So I was probably like six you know seven but i just remember list like finding that on the radio and i would hear it a lot on the radio apparently they played it in my grandma's town a lot so but i just like would almost cry because it was such like he had such emotion when he sang it and like it was just overwhelming to me as a little (laughs) kid so go ahead here You ask me if I love you And I choke on my reply I'd rather hurt you honestly Than mislead you with a lie And who am I to judge you On what you say or do 
I'm only just beginning to see the real you. And sometimes when we touch, the honesty's too much, and I have to close my eyes and hide. Okay, you get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> but like, just the like the emotion and like as a little kid in the break story. Down and cry? I'm still singing in my you mind. Know? But like the story, like I don't want to hurt you. But like, and then it's like, oh, and I'm just beginning to, you know. Anyway, I yeah. I love it, Dan that, Hill. That is one of the potential through lines of adult contemporary that doesn't necessarily fit with all of it or yacht rock, but is oftentimes ballad ballad heavy oftentimes love songs not always but that's one of the kind of adult contemporary yeah through lines i I think i I realized hearing janelle describe kind of her her childhood growing up with it and i'm i'm making my own assumptions i'm obviously but i so i collect records there's no secret and i i browse record shops throughout the the country and every area of the country you can learn a lot about like the history of the community through the record stores like what kind of used stuff like you can Mm -hmm. find r&b stuff in the south that you're not going to find here if you go to california you go to new york you'll find punk stuff that you can't find here it's like built into the the it's very representative of the history of youth culture and in utah when you record dig you there is no shortage the stuff you will always find always 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 and forever is bread barry manilow chicago the carpenters chicago and yeah. you find them at di you <laughs> yeah. find them at savers and, and 10,000 and maniacs it, it, it does <laughs> and maybe that's part of my disdain because it's so representative of like like my house growing up like what was allowed what was considered safe yeah but then you had these dads that had like these kick-ass stereo systems it's like i don't i'm not gonna bring rebel music in here because we have our standards but let, let me show you how awesome sometimes sounds when we touch. On it. and it's this and so it is the, the that crystalline production is is something you want to show off but then it's also packaged in this safe package that it maybe now that i'm that i'm older i should appreciate things that do uh cross generations and can bring generations together because maybe that was one of the few things that like that that the youth culture and and adults could agree on at some level but well it sounds like it also appeals to to younger kids like that was the first music that I liked too, because it's what my parents would let you mm-hmm. listen to. Yeah. Oh, not let. Oh, me right, right, right. It's just it's what, what they was had. available. Yeah. Like I yeah. didn't know of anything else. Like the record collection so was what you listened be the, to. The kind of thing that parents and grandparents own, right. that they're willing to own, and that they're willing to play. Or older siblings. What or, parents or are that. listening to I didn't in the have car? Any of those. Yeah. Uh, and so it still appeals to to younger kids. And then you know, once I was in junior high, then I. Stopped listening to my parents' music and and found my and my found own, your own my own stuff. And I will say because Jordan, you brought up early on, you know, it wasn't cool for you in the in the nineties in high school to be listening to kind of this soft rock right. adult contemporary. And I will say, I think there's a gender difference because I think I could listen to this stuff all the time and never get teased necessarily you know i think i think there's something in where and this is obviously like stereotypical and kind of overarching but you know men are trying to like kind of do that you know that hard okay i'm i'm really tough i can listen to this really cool 
you know, whether it's grunge or punk or whatever. And I think, you know, women can listen to whatever they want and nobody judges them. Interesting. Interesting. So how about But I do think there's an aspect of the easy listening that's never been cool. Like, that's part of its identity. You don't don't see a lot of of t-shirts for these bands. And and that, that, like you were saying, Jordan, early on, that... The only cool way to listen to it is ironically, <laughs> right, you know? right? Right, right. But but if you you can't authentically like it and be cool, but it's also your I memories. Really, like you, you grew let's up get with rolling, it. Guys, we're losing listeners. We're losing yeah, okay. true. So you guys just brought it up the first two CDs that my parents bought with our CD player in Centralia, Washington, in 1989: Mannheim Steamroller and Kenny G's whatever Kenny G's album. Um, you know, Songbird. Yeah. Yeah, so it, interesting. Um, and then we bought Millie Vanilli, and I was like, "Oh, finally something cool!" <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So we're gonna. Do we want to count Janelle that as your seventies? We're gonna do a round of seventies, or do you have another seventies? I mean, we'll I'll two seventies picks. I'll oh, just, Janelle's our guest. Yeah. She gets two seventies. So we'll picks. start. Okay. Let's start with Brandon. We're gonna do a seventies pick. So go ahead and give us your pick. We'll listen to a minute. Now, or so. clarify: this isn't necessarily like a Hall of Fame. This is no. just uh, artifacts we're submitting for yeah, the whatever you, the adult. Contemporary wing of the the let the music be yeah, your master uh, yeah. museum of 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 music yeah, history and yeah exactly it'll probably be in the basement okay. <laughs> actually, but the old people can't get there it's right. got to be on the be main, on the main floor. floor and all the kids will be like I hate this museum and a comfortable lounge in the back that the kids don't want to go that they to. don't want to go to yeah. Jordan yeah you need to point your microphone at yourself I know I'm trying to I'm gonna lift this up. <laughs> Are you reading me? How's that? Is that better? That's better. Okay. So Brandon's going to start us off. We're in 1970s. Tell us about the song, what you like about it, or what you don't like about it. Okay. Um, uh, I'm not going to mention my first band that I really liked as a child, because apparently I'm talking about that one too much. Wait, is it man? <laughs> is it man? <laughs> <I'm> steamroller? <laughs> Uh, the second band that I really liked, and this is the first band that I actually bought albums for uh, myself. I was eight years old when I bought bought my first uh, record, uh, Chicago. My my parents owned Chicago Seventeen, which has your you're the inspiration and some of those some of those well known classics. Uh, this track is from Chicago Ten. Uh, what year was this? Seventy. 76 Chicago 10 they had their uh, their album covers with their their logo on it and it was always like embossed on something this one the Grammy for album best album packaging it's a, a recreation of like a Hershey's bar being peeled back and the chocolate has Chicago written on it Be- <laughs> Grammy award for best album is that a real award <laughs> What was that year, apparently? (laughs) Well, your music doesn't make it, but your packaging does. Now that you know, you can agree, right? I've actually heard about that a few years ago. I'm familiar with the album cover. I've I've successfully not bought it dozens of times. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this song, I think, is the only song that they've won a Grammy for, for for best song. Um, It is If You Leave Me Now. So this is going to be Peter Cetera, Chicago. Peter Cetera singing. Oh, man. He, w- he was in the original lineup, yeah, playing he bass. Was. And he, sang- he does sing on 25 or 64, which is one of their early hits and is still a respectable song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, musicians really like that song. Uh, but I think this one marks their transition into focusing on ballads. Uh, because 
this this was their first time they ever made it to number one. They're like, hey, let's uh, let's keep this money train going, guys. So here's if you leave me now, Chicago. Is that a French horn, Steve? I think so. Yep. And then right at the beginning, there was that little, you know, glockenspiel or bell yeah, ding. Yeah. And ding. It's, a, so, it's so a great one. Little touches. <laughs> little touches. They <laughs> thought of everything. It's, right now, it's easy. We're in the 90s. It's so easy to look back and say, this is so cheesy. But my question is, at the time, was it cheesy or was it, like, interesting? Right? Well... I don't know. I, others may have thoughts, and it kind of so. So, a couple of things I was going to say is, well, Brandon, I don't want to talk over your thing. You got to say, do you got some more to say about I your pick? I do have some more to say. Let's hear it. Let's hear, it. Let's hear it, Brandon. It. Sorry, then we'll, Brandon. Sh- then we'll shift well, to Steve. I Sorry. think uh, I think this has a lot of the hallmarks of what we think of when when we consider adult contemporary music or soft rock. Uh, it's got it's got the uh, the focus is on. The melody, there there tends to be a lot of really catchy tunes in in this genre, um, and it's a nice sounding voice. Uh, it's inviting, highly, yeah. accessible, highly produced. There's it seems like most of these songs, it's not just four guys in a band playing it. Like they've got the orchestral arrangements. That's pretty common. Um, it's got it's all very. Um, it, there is kind of a positive vibe generally, even if it is a sadder song. Like this, this one's about being left, but still, it's like this gentle kind of kind of sound. Uh, over, overall, like safe, not challenging kind of thing. It doesn't call attention to itself usually. The, these these kind of things, um, where you could it could be playing in a grocery store, and you know you'd have to force yourself to to pay attention. The, the lyrics tend to be uh, very direct. Like you don't you don't have to wonder what it is they're saying. The lyrics are easily understandable, but also vague enough that it's not all that specific. Right? Could could apply to anything. So that that seems yeah. to categorize a, yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of this stuff. Uh, they don't tend to have like raging guitar solos or anything that would call too much attention to itself. But Sometimes, like once you get into the Michael Bolton, then their voice does call attention when they get really sure. emotional. But, yeah. But for the most part, I think this is a a good example of it's a, a great lot example. Of, a lot of what we're 
And question for you guys and for our listeners. When Brandon queued up this Chicago song and started playing, did, was there a smile that emerged somewhere <laughs> on your face or in your soul? I think the more anywhere. important question is what was the smile communicating, though? <laughs> Like I smiled, yeah. but I was laughing. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. it was comedic to oh, me. No. To me, it was both. It <laughs> was like, like it. oh yeah, this this is this is funny, but it was also like, oh, this feels good. The nostalgia. It was both. It feels like... good. And I was like, oh yeah, I want to listen to this one because I love this part right here. And this, oh, this feels nice. Yeah. Good. Pick. It's, it's interesting that this, the taping of this episode coincides with us starting another music league, which I mentioned, right. and the first category we're doing is guilty, guilty pleasures pleasure. and i just totally. feel like it's a guilty the, the pleasure whole thing of like you know soft rock yacht rock whatever just falls into that guilty pleasure again it's like but you might not want to admit you like it because or whatever. you've been you know culturally cheesy. told yeah. that you're not supposed to like <laughs> it because i so think partially, partially, partially. To the, yeah. To the, yeah i think there should not be guilty pleasures like if you like it you like it and wow. nobody you know like you yeah just, of course uh, i mean like i it. i'm probably it, it, of that mind like I, I you know honestly we i don't feel much guilt for the things right. i love and I, and my tastes are pretty broad and probably we, most of us feel a similar and, uh, way and but when i so i was eight when i bought this album with my own money and went on to buy uh four or five other chicago albums you know in the next next few years there was no guilt you no. know as, a, as an eight-year-old you don't you don't know what's cool or not there was no reason to think it, it wasn't or to even care i just just like yeah. Here's why I think there does have to be and, guilty. And I think kind of like like, <laughs> well, you, well, like you mentioned with that other song, uh, I even as a, I liked the romantic sentimentality. Oh, yeah. of it. <laughs> totally, totally. Like, oh. Yes, you like I got what the you like from it, <laughs> but we like we all become like amateur critics on the stuff that we put a lot of time into and so like all of us have a hierarchy in our mind right. of like what is good art and what is subpar art sure and we you know you do it with food movies music whatever and and so maybe that's part of like what what i am always trying to to confront or reconcile myself is like i want to um i like i want to feel like yeah, I know what is what is what is quality there, and somehow I think with this, there's something in my brain that like doesn't want to give it the same yeah, same yeah, artistic yeah. value, the same artistic credit that I would to to you know whatever. And that's well, I think that's I where think I take it, something like Steely Dan even like yeah. within it, and I go, no, this is more artistic. Like, no, this is different. Well, and yeah. I think what it goes to what you said earlier, where you said this music is unchallenging right. and you yeah. like, you know, you like the more complex challenging. And so this, it comes too easy. Like it's just right. too easy. There's nothing complex about it. Yeah. And so I, I see that that's what right. you're, you know, what yeah. you can't grasp. I, think, I mean, not grasp, but you can't not grasp is fair. Well, <laughs> but, I, I mean, think, you just can't embrace it and it, it, because it doesn't challenge you. Yeah. I think that's fair. Hey, let's let's move to Steve. I think we have a lot of more rich discussion, but let's keep going. More discussion going, will come keep up. Keep going. And let's hear Steve's seventies pick. Yeah. Well, um, I think I'm the oldest one in the room, born nineteen sixty nine. So the seventies were, you know, the first decade of my existence. A lot of listening to the music of my parents, listening to my clock radio in my room. And before I started, you know, buying my own music, developing my own taste. Did you listen to Casey Kasem? 
Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Was that Friday night? Sunday nights? Uh, You did that weekly countdown. Saturday, I think. No, it's like K ninety six in Utah. Casey Kasem was he on K ninety six? Something like that. Here's here's a song I think I remember from that era, nineteen seventy five. Dance with Me by Orleans is the name of the group. Listen to the bass line and the vocal harmonies. These songs all make me feel like I'm at a church dance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so so smooth. So it kind of it fits. I think a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. I wonder the fidelity, the idea of like the high fidelity, tight recording, all that. Uh, it, I think it must also be influenced by FM radio, right? And like the mm-hmm. the higher quality fidelity that just hits right about that time, and. You know, wanting to produce things that are going to take advantage of that. In addition to like what Janelle was saying with the stereo systems and the big speakers mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. You know, it's like the technology influencing kind of this this thing that's happening. Absolutely. But anyway, yeah, good pick, Steve. All right, Jason. Okay, tell <laughs> tell me <laughs> what am I picking exactly? Just a thing I like from the seventies, yeah. That falls within the umbrella of well, what, there's different ways to think. Of it. I know it's hard. It's like you, because I like I can do a thing I want to do that uh-huh. that appeases my conscious yeah. conscience, or I can do a thing that probably feels more right that I'm worried will get passed. Do the thing you want to do, and we can we can okay. listen to the okay. thing that gets passed later if we well, need to. I'm curious if, if one of you two, there, there's like a if we're going 70s, there's there's I feel like a major tent pole yeah. for this discussion that needs to come up and I'm worried it's going to be missed. It might not. Yeah. But it's we'll, not going to be missed. Do yours. Do <laughs> yours and then we'll see. All right, um, we'll see. I'm going to go, I've, I've referenced this song before and I think it's an interesting contrast to Steve's pick because when Steve was playing his song, I was asking myself, what do I not like about it? And I hate being this guy, but I'm this guy. Everybody knows I'm this guy at this point. It feels so soulless to mm. me. It's like barbershop. It's like, we're going to hit you with these harmonies, cool, but it, somehow it just feels soulless. So here would be, I guess, a more soulful approach. I'm going to go, uh, I've referenced this song before. I've played a cover of this song before. I'm going to go Commodores with Easy. Tell me if this counts. Oh, is yeah, it, is this it? is on my okay. list. This is okay. on my top three for this, uh, for this decade.
Stop it, but if you. It's irresistible. So, a couple things on this one. Interesting, I think, in comparison to Brand, is this song does have a solo in it, um, which I I think I do agree with you. I I think typically the genre isn't like celebrating instrument solos. And then, even topically, like this one compared to Brandon's, Brandon's is a person that's been hurt. I would say if they do have solos, it's not like a Van Halen. It's not like like a face shredder. Virtuosic kind of thing. That's more of a tasteful. That works. And then, but even topically, like compared to Brandon's, um, you've got this. This uh, this one is like, I, I haven't been left. I'm leaving you, and I'm in, I'm, I'm easy. I'm fine. It'll be all right. <laughs> it is interesting. I think within like the ease of the genre, like mm-hmm. I don't know, there's interesting ingredients, interesting elements there to me. So. What, uh, I what year was this? Seventy-seven. Five. I think seventy-seven. I think I just looked it up. Yeah, yeah. seventy-seven. Okay. Year, I, year I was born. There we go. And along these same lines, I'm not. We won't play it. Talking but I love three times a lady. That oh, yeah. song. Yeah. Once, <laughs> twice. And that was it. that. Commodores or Lionel mm-hmm. Rich? That, that was, was Commodores, Commodores, right? Mm-hmm. So can you can you break this down for it? What is it that appeals to you about this song? That's different than than the other ones well i use i use the term soul and i don't know what it is maybe steve can help me does it have does it have a like slightly more swing to it is that is that what's going on musically that is different is that's a yes that's part of it for sure i I, yeah let me think about it but definitely definitely the rhythm and the the swing there there is a little bit of a shuffle because it feels like just a subtle swing to it that i think a lot of the other adult contemporary stuff doesn't have this and, and that makes sense the commodores were a funk band originally and then they kind of transitioned into more of a an easy listening and then eventually lionel richie went solo and really kind of built his career on that but they were they were like a, a real pure funk band early yeah. on if you listen to their first two albums. I, I would say though that a lot of the blue-eyed soul stuff is very has that kind of swing funk to it, and I wonder because the way I've interpreted, I don't know if this is true or not. I've, I've interpreted it as for me a big part of it why I was able to to like Lionel Richie earnestly, and not just in an ironic way, but not some of the other guys was because of race. Like, and it was a soul thing. I was like, oh, this is okay because it's more soulful, right? But these white guys, they're all like just doing it for the money or something. Like, I know their motivations <laughs> or their musical backgrounds or something. You know what I mean? But like, so for me, I still, I, I'm wondering if that applied to you at all. I'm sure, I'm sure that it does 
probably influence it. I, I'm sure it, it right, influences be, my like assumption of authenticity or something behind right. it. Right, you have to be black to authentically <laughs> pursue this kind of music or perform this kind of music. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at at what age would this song have started to appeal to you? So that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to decide. Maybe the better question is like, when did I when did I start deciding that I, I didn't like certain things? Um, because it's, while I was young, like I remember music. My mom's a piano teacher, and music was always around us. I had older siblings that listened to everything. Every song you have said, for the most part, was played by an older sibling in my house. It was all safe and it was all okay. Like, my dad had very strict standards. I used to have to hide parental advisory albums, like, at the back of my underwear drawer where I knew he wouldn't look, you know, <laughs> or color it over with a Sharpie. It was a, it was that battle. And, and so... I know early on, like I remember early teens kind of solidifying the stuff that I that I didn't like or that I just decided was pat, like patently uncool. And I don't ever remember disliking this. And then honestly, probably one of the things that I'm this is such a stupid way to approach stuff, but I guarantee that Faith No More cover, which probably hit when I was like 12 because it was a B-side on Angel Dust, which I think came out when I was at about 12, and I got the album and hit it. I was terrified by it, but it had they released this B-side um, that that was on. That's right. They covered and it. Yeah. They covered it, and I remember kind of being mind-blown by it, and then also being like, if these guys think this is cool, then it's, then it's gotta, gotta be, be cool. cool. <laughs> and yeah, so, yeah. like, I allowed my tastemakers mm-hmm. yeah. that I was, I was, that I had let in at that age to kind of like tell me what was cool as well, which is probably a thing I still do, I'm sure. But it's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon you bring up of like get, getting to that age, usually junior high, high school, somewhere around there, where you decide some things are cool and some things are not. And, yeah, it's like, and once I got enough older that I didn't care what what people thought. It wasn't like as much part of my identity, I guess. Or yeah, once I was older than like, oh, I this I do actually like this stuff, and it, I don't know. maybe maybe it's okay now, now. that I'm adult. Yeah, the genre is targeted at me. <laughs> right. right. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's a weird thing of of having to like sift this thing in in your mind you know part partially it's our own, does it appeal to us personally but partially there's I, this calculation of i remember our, vividly do, other, do the cool people like this too? like being mm-hmm. and that and that that's a lot of what it is maybe that's the guilty pleasure idea uh, but i remember vividly going in to oh my gosh graphic arts in ninth grade and i was wearing a red hot chili peppers t-shirt blood sugar sex magic had come out and that was the one that blew them up and there was these there were these two band guys their names will come to me in a minute and they were like like legit music guys music nerds they were into like all the cool stuff that nobody had ever heard of and i remember walking Mm -hmm. in and they looked at me and i had to go through like this this rite of passage they're like you don't actually like the red hot chili peppers name me one song that's not on blood sugar sex magic and i remember being terrified and i'm like going through no i like mother's milk um magic johnson and they're like no you don't know that one and i'm like no i swear i promise i listen to kjq <laughs> and, and it was like this this 
right, this whole like thing of of it like, it's like it every, established uh, these you clubs the test. hardtimes.net yeah, yeah it established <laughs> these clubs of coolness yeah. but also these clubs of like authenticity and i'm i know like experiences like that were formulating how i valued art as well how there was like certain things that like you really really had to be in the know and if you did it you were like extra cool or whatever and then there were these other things that was like oh, everybody knows that that's not that cool and i i know all of that was like making these compartments in my brain of like this is cool this is not cool this is cool this is not cool and so my whole life i'm sure every one of these songs i've just like automatically checked it not cool not cool not cool not cool and so now i have to try to reconcile it as a as a grown-up so that people will want to be around me but uh Anyway. Do you really want to reconcile that though? No. Yeah, Do don't. you really? <laughs> All right. It's nice to it. keep people Great away pick, from Jason. me. <laughs> We're moving on to Janelle's 1970s pick. Okay. And this is like asking me to pick my favorite child. Like there's yeah. so they have different qualities. There's different yeah, yeah, yeah. you know things. You only so, have two, just flip a coin. I know. Um so I I have to go with the carpenters because I love the carpenters so much and and then it was so hard to pick a Carpenter song. Even right now, I'm like, ah, oh, which one? Um, so let's go with, uh, oh, you know what? Let's just go with 1972, um, Hurting. So I think the instrumental, the Carpenters really have a lot of instrumentation in their, you know, a lot of strings, a lot of things going on. And I think that is typical of that easy listening um, sound. And then I just, like I said, her vocals, just amazing. And I love how she builds and then kind of comes down again. And anyway, Karen Carpenter, it was very sad that we lost her so young, but great voice, amazing voice. The most I, mellow. I will mellow say, voice. as a grown-up, I've I've come to love her voice. I think so we talked good. about it. Like I've watched hours of video of her drumming too. She's oh, an incredible she's musician. Yeah. yeah. What's funny is they also have the, the Carpenters have this really quirky side too, and it's all the stuff that her brother Richard's on. It's very quirky, you know. Like like Saturday is this anyway? It's just a funny like funny lyrics, funny song, and it's all the ones that he's singing on. He sings sometimes? Yeah, yeah. So oh. Saturday is one that is funny. J- Janelle, I'm curious. Um, pie chart of the music you currently listen to, what percentage would fall within adult contemporary? Like in a month's worth of, of listening, however you listen to it. Background, car, at home. I mean, I would say 
maybe, and I would say forty. So it's still a. I would say big it's still pretty big. Your- and and some of that is like things that I consider kind of that mellow adult contemporary. It might yeah. be more all country so- indie, you know, kind of singer or, yeah. songwriter. But yeah, yeah, but like definitely like the more mellow, like yeah, probably thirty to forty percent. So yeah. Car- Carpenters are a interesting one in that they they didn't transition into this. Like it seems like from the get go, this was their sound. Yeah. As opposed to Lionel Richie and the Commodores or Chicago that start out as something else, and then either as they get older or as they find out where the money is. <laughs> yeah. No, they they started and and also they've done a few cut co- like they've actually done quite a few covers, but like Burt Backrack, they've done some Burt Backrack stuff and kind of made like close to you, um, like they made it popular, like like you know. It had been written for other people. They'd been recorded, right, released, right. didn't really do much, and then they record it, and it like you know blows up. So, yeah, I think so. This could segue into my um, my pick for the seventies, and just a point I want to make that kind of connects maybe a little bit of what Janelle's saying with Steve. What were you saying about? Um, well, just I think there's an interesting thing because on one hand, adult contemporary can be basically. Anything that's like what what's the popular music adults listen to that kids aren't listening to, but then there's something that seems to happen in the 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 pendulum swing of the zeitgeist where where there's a certain generation that's doing everything angsty, and the next generation has to swing against that. And I think that's where yacht rock comes in because it wasn't like this is what the only the adults doing. It was like this is what the the number one hits were sailing by Christopher Cross in 1980. Like Christopher Cross and Billie Eilish are the only two artists that have won four Grammys in the four major things. How old was Christopher Cross when he released Sailing? I think he was mid twenties. Was that was he but, a young person making de- I music? Mean, definitely, there was there was like the alt people doing other stuff, but this wasn't just this wasn't the music for the yuppies of the day, right? Like with Sailing or even like Chicago, and so I, and I'd see that you see the same thing in the two thousands, right? When you have on one hand you have grunge has become this direct thing and you have new metal which there's some young kids that are into that but there's a lot of like the indie art kids who are like this is stupid and then they go listen to feist and like the stuff that you could you could play in a dentist's office you know like musha boom and it's and then it starts showing up on and these people start making a lot of money by being on apple commercials you know and it's like oh there's so there's also back to the steely dan and my pick there's an element in chicago you were talking about like I, I want to figure out how Steely Dan's different than these others. A lot of these musicians, they're they're jazz trained. Yeah. They're good musicians. They are also trying to make a living, and they all are also, I think, at some level, seeing that like, yes, there's something about challenging people, but then there's also something about hitting people in their sweet spot, like saccharin. Think of Miles Davis with, with you know, when he goes to West Coast cool jazz and he releases an album. That is is challenging in that it's not challenging in that it's like it's it's mellow it's smooth it's like this other kind of thing. So my pick is Bobby Caldwell, nineteen seventy eight. What you won't do for love. This guy's not. At, this is his big hit. Um, he's been sampled by a lot of hip hop artists and stuff. Um, wrote songs for a lot of other kind of adult contemporary people, but he's a a blues or a jazz. R&B soul type guy 
But yeah, Bobby Caldwell, What You Won't Do For Love. Like What's this? Disco track. <laughs> is this it? This isn't it. This isn't it. I thought this was Brandon. I d- thought this pulling, was a punk. Pulling a joke. <laughs> yeah, it says, Bobby Caldwell, What You Won't Do For Love. Great uh, song. Good pick, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> that I was like, I thought that was, I was like, you're looking for the, what you while, want, do, while he's looking for that, for I did love. think, Jordan, I, I did think, you, you just said it, but you also referenced it in the setup email. There you go. Yeah. There that was a go. smart point, that generational uh, repudiation of the prior generation's right. angst or lack thereof. Oh. It's because I clicked play on the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it played track That was one. Bobby Caldwell, but it wasn't the, okay. the Here we the track. go. Here what you is. won't do for love. Okay, so listen to this guy's voice, and one of the the famous things about this song is that he must he very commonly gets mistaken for being an African American singer, and they even played that up by hiding his race on the album cover by having the picture of him be kind of a silhouette of him, and so you couldn't tell, and so. Um, he's got the, he's got a soulfulness to him that you know people have kind of assumed this is a black black guy. He kind like, of like Rick Astley. Yeah. All right, we're good. So, Bobby Caldwell, and yeah, what I want to do for love. Good pick. All right, we'll move on to '80s. This might be the uh, the the decade of where things peaked in some ways, in terms of and and turned uh, like when when those of us raised, especially in the '90s, really became disgusted. <laughs> we might say, <laughs> uh, or our disgust was really fine-tuned in a sense. But there's great tunes. There's great. But we were. Know, when, I mean, you've talked about it. Like for the three of us, like we kind of had to hate the '80s oh, yeah, for kind of had for to. a period of time, yeah. and this was so representative. Of right, it. right. But we're gonna do well. I'm gonna do my best to uh, to represent the stuff i love from it right uh-huh. and so let's let's hear let's hear your pick brandon from the 80s okay well the album came out in 79 but the the single was released in in 80 and we haven't mentioned it and i guess it's been mentioned a little bit but not played we gotta do christopher cross <laughs> um hey. he was 28 when this came out i looked it up which is i would have guessed roughly 30 which 
counters counters your point a little that wasn't kid music then like he wasn't representative of youth culture but it was it was the popular music at the time (laughs) (laughs) well it's not that far from whatever (laughs) 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 we're getting a live performance (laughs) (laughs) did did you believe in me gotta get the lyrics up Oh shoot. oh shoot, Brandon! If you're gonna bring Christopher Cross, you gotta bring it all the way. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just learned that yesterday. Nice, nice. That's great. Well, there's Brandon's pick. Okay, there it is. That's all you need to hear of it. <laughs> no, let's uh, let's let's pull up uh, sailing here. This seems like the the quintessential. This like, is this could be on a Rushmore of of songs. And this is one that I did request at the dentist while I was <laughs> while I was getting the laughing gas and getting drilled into. As a kid or just recently? No, like, well, ten years ago. <laughs> what, just this song on loop? Sorry. But it's because I... So it was the, the first time I'd had a cavity since I was a kid, and I associated this song with being at the dentist. Well, it's not far down to paradise. Uh, that kick drum seemed like it was almost building to something. <laughs> yeah, and then it went right like, oh, he's going to let loose. It, it uh, was. No. It was, it was it built to a wind chime. Oh, yeah. It built to like, <laughs> <doo, doo>, <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. For me, that was building to something. That was. It wasn't just the wind chimes, but yeah. it was the building to, like, ah, we're still chill. Yeah. We're still yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I the reconciliation. A, uh, I watched a live performance of this, which I. They were standing on stage playing it but i it sounded too much like uh too the, perfect the recording yeah yeah and uh, i couldn't see anyone else singing in harmonies um yeah it was just funny to see these guys that uh, they all look so young you know christopher cross he's uh, he's one that once i finally saw him when he played on the jimmy <laughs> fallon show like i'd only ever heard this so i pictured him more like kenny loggins or something like you know handsome long hair whatever and then uh, you, you see him, and he's uh, he's just like an old guy. But even even when he was twenty eight doing this, he's you know kind of big, already balding, and mm-hmm. uh, j- just has like the under the chin beard. 
<laughs> yeah, see, I, I remember him, and that's why I, I posed the question, and I, I just realized why because I had this. Um, this MTV, MTV killed it. Yeah, well, and so he that th- song from Arthur's theme, the yes. the the, the caught between the moon and New York City. Um, there was a video that ran that that he played in, and I think it had some live footage in it. And so, I don't ever remember him as a young person. It, that, that's why I, I, in my mind, there's no way well, that, that was, was just representative one year after this, so of youth music. But he yeah, he, I, re- I vividly remember. <laughs> he like, looks like an old person. Yeah, he always looked like an old guy. Yeah, but good for him. You know, he blew up in the '80s and had a moment. That album was a, a yeah was a behemoth. Yeah. And ride like the wind on that same album. Yeah. That's such right. a good song. Yeah, I, I do want to play just the mm. the end of of ride like the wind. Is ride like the wind the one that as that um the Michael McDonald's, SCTV yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, Rick Moranis, it's so good. That's yeah. my so good, so good. It kills me. So yeah, this is this is Christopher Cross. Maybe it is most rocking. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's feeling it. What's funny is you're like, out on the sea. You, what, you kick up to you know. Once you pay attention, he's an amazing guitarist. Like he can really play that thing. But on a lot of his songs, even though he's up there in concert playing it, you can't hear the guitar at all. I don't. I don't know what he's playing right now. <laughs> Can you hear a guitar in there? Kind of. Maybe a chord. That background thing. I can hear it's in there. It's the piano though that stands yeah. out. Like the guitar is so low right, in the right. mix. It's low in the mix. I Even think, though I he's up there on stage, he's strumming while and he's see, right now Rick Moranis is pulling up in his car. Getting ready to run into the studio. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, check out at the the end of the song. It's after Oh, yeah. <laughs> there he is. So after the last chorus, first heard about this. Here it is. Yeah, guys, turn it up in the mix. It's hidden in there. You're- it's got a little distortion. Like Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> So I think you are onto something, you know, with the Michael McDonald, uh, the Michael McDonald uh, thread, the yeah. through line. But yeah, and that under, but that underscores just like the studio musician vibe of it. They're all in L.A. Yeah. They're all playing on each other's albums. It's, it's yeah. true. It's, it's kind but, of part yeah, it seems of the, like it's going, still going know. with that thing of don't don't call too much attention to yourself. It's still about the melody. And I don't know if this was He's his like, but I really decision want to let loose on this one. Like, we'll give you one, but we're going to keep yeah. everything low in the mix. <laughs> I watched a, a Rick Beato thing of this where he... He's like the best guitar solo you've never heard, and he he got, had access to like the individual tracks, and so he bumps it up, and he's wailing on that. Thing. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Great pick. Yeah, I'm glad that got picked. All right, Steve, let's hear okay, it. Okay, okay. Um, this, you know, prepping for this episode and thinking about it made me think a lot about our new wave episode, which has kind of been referenced in just that. You know how how do you bring does that term work? How do you wrangle things into that category? And there are there certain bands or singers or acts that I refuse to place in that category because right. they transcend it or they're better or they're right. because of, because of the negative connotations that they have. And so Steely Dan's definitely in that realm for me. Uh, in that, yeah, I, I think the music and the lyrics and arrangements, et cetera, are just so, sort of 
complex and interesting and harmonically in a way that transcends them being kind of trapped in that in in this you know easy listening adult contemporary whatever vibe that said i i, I think i'm gonna i will i refuse to pick a steely dan song but i am gonna <laughs> pick a donald fagan <laughs> but and and i gotta read this so i i just this morning read in you know was reading rolling stone to figure out where yacht rock came from and just you know about this web series that was yeah. in 2005 and and this this rolling stone thing is hilarious it's just interviewing it's like an oral history it's interviewing all the people that were there and so this guy hollywood steve huey uh, who is one of the one of the actors in this you know thing has this kind of funny funny quote really short I turned 30 right before we started doing this series and I thought well this is a nice round number what do 30 year olds do I feel like it's time I get into Steely Dan I bought <laughs> I bought most of the catalog and was like this is my new identity I'm gonna unwind start listening to Steely Dan and leave parties early <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny Anyway, That's great. but just the idea, like this music, unwind. I just love that word in that in that quote. Yeah. But so so let's go let's go. I G Y. What a beautiful world from uh, Donald Fagan's Nightfly, nineteen eighty two. We got to get a personnel list. Is, is Michael McDonald back there somewhere? I, I didn't there. quite hear his characteristic yawning. He's voice, in the studio. But, uh, yeah, he, he's yeah. He might be. Maybe he's riding the faders, or he's like yeah. he's giving him a thumbs he's up. He's just sitting with <laughs> his arms great. folded, <laughs> nodding his head. Yeah, he's like, right. oh yeah, he's yeah. looming large this for sure. It. This is it. Anyway, nice. Hey, Steve. I wonder uh, if now's the time. I had put in the the podcast the one the first email, like wondering compositionally some things. Um, I'm wondering about I was thinking of uh, what's his name Brian Eno's music for airports mm. right so so that's a, that's music that's intentionally meant to be background music that's meant to be not jarring that's meant to be but it's also like this artist who's doing it like is there anything maybe for your next round think about like or for later just in the discussion think about any connection compositionally between what artists might be thinking about with that and and this genre of music, if there's any connection. I I will. I will think about that. 
I have two. I have like three immediate thoughts. But I, I'll, yeah, I will hold I, I, I until a, we get some more music. I'm under curious, our belts. Jim, because I have immediate oh. thoughts on that as as well. <laughs> well, let's, go let's see. Let's go the, the two, the three thoughts I have are number one: people mellow with age. Artists mellow in time, and and. Maybe some that that's not really a historical thing. It's like I'm a psychological, but, but maybe it is a historical thing. It depends. It's not. It's not universally true. But I think I think that's one of the things that drives the whole idea of calling a category, you know, adult contemporary or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay, we we've passed the angst of our youth, and and we're kind of and we want to unwind. We just want to relax. We're not trying to fight against anything. We just want we want to feel. That's why uh, comfortable and chill and and not be challenged and and all that. That's why Tool's latest album was so refreshing and different because it's like, hey, we're uh, you know we're embracing our old age and we're gonna just bask. <laughs> are you, these I chill can't vibes. tell if you're being sarcastic yeah, or not. To it no. Are you? Be, yeah. <laughs> you you it, are it being sarcastic. Like t- okay, okay. It still sounds like Tool. Album. But but no, even like I was thinking of a band like Cure, The Cure. You know, which I mean, they, they weren't ever like hardcore or whatever but like think of like you know the early stuff versus like in between days or it's friday i'm in love you know right. it's, like, it's like you know any band you look at they might kind of undergo this kind of transformation the i don't know the idea of background is interesting um i think i i i the, the exact terminology escapes me but the french composer eric Satie, i know has some some music and some pieces that are kind of in that realm of like meant to be background. Um, I, I'm totally uh, can blanking I, on the, can on I the throw, name. Can I know PDDA or whatever? Can I throw? A, oh, furniture music. That's what he calls it. Furniture music. Interesting. You know? yeah. yeah. So that, that's what I was going to say. That like I believe Eno coined the term ambient music, mm-hmm. and he he had a very stated purpose for ambient music, and he the because I like that album a lot, and I've been fascinated by Eno for a long time. And I remember reading, I looked it up, and he said, he described, he coined the term ambient music, and he described it specifically as music intended to induce calm and a space to think while remaining as ignorable as it is interesting. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that's a very different like thesis statement that he has from the beginning on that type of album. I don't think, even though everything was toned down and sailing on Christopher Cross, they still want you to listen. Yeah. And they, like, he doesn't want you to ignore it. Right. But Eno is trying to find this unique space between ignorable and, and noticeable. Right. I just feel like it's something a, a, that helps you while you're writing a research. Paper. Yeah. I just feel like it's a diff, very different intended purpose. Yeah. And Eno was so like, scientific about his approach to it right it was literally to be played in airports yeah but i think there's a crossover there and we're talking a lot of this adult contemporary music is music that you can play in the background is music that that can be whether and that could be boring but it could also be mellow it could be uh, yeah and so there's there's a there's a there's a something there i don't know but yeah let's hear let's hear uh jason's 80s pick oh okay see i'm still torn i'm so I one of the pleasant surprises of this my initial notes so I always I start down I have two pages of notes here by the way and uh the first thing I wrote down is um uh adult comp- contemporary is um <laughs> sad music for white dads and uh I was pleasantly surprised especially digging into the the 80s and 90s list um Way better, way better uh, female and non-white representation than I uh, than I initially 
gave it gave it credit for and so um i feel bad because i think i'm gonna pick i am gonna pick a white guy but uh um Let's Ho- hopefully some some more diversity comes up I because think we I can count on Jordan for uh, I have it on the maybe, list, but this maybe. is a cool song. T-shirt. I actually am surprising myself with this pick. And this is a pick you asked stuff that uh, at the time we we liked. This is one I actually didn't love at the time. Um, but since I've revisited it and I've found real value in it. Part of it goes back to the thing Steve mentioned before. This is a group that is made up of session guys that are really just masters at their craft. Um, and it's an album. One of the songs actually genuinely upsets me and it's, it's taken on this whole new life, but it's, uh, I'm going to give you, I'm giving you Toto. I'm putting Toto out there. Um, uh, we're good, but I'm not going to do Africa. I don't want to listen to that ever again. I'm fine. Without it, but I am going to go Rosanna. Yes. Um, right oh, here. good! It's a it's a really good song. I listened to a ten minute deep dive. So their guitarist is Steve Lukather. He's the guy that did almost all the guitar work on Thriller for Michael Jackson and, and Quincy De- Jones. Dennis Chambers on the drums, right? Um, no, it was a uh, uh, Porcaro. I thought, uh, yeah, Porcaro. Okay. I think. Um, and uh, these are really, really good musicians. I listened to a 10-minute deep dive where Lukather broke this down, and he li- he played each individual track and then talked about like what went into it. And the this is, I think, a great example of that really perfect production. There's almost so many good parts going at once that you can't. You, you, it, that it's almost unnoticeable. But there's a lot there. This is a really, a really good song. Hit us with it. It's a fun song. <laughs> it's so fun. It's, so it's got fun. a great drum pocket. Uh, really, really good. You know what's cool about this? So here's a thing I like, and then I just realized now listening to it again, a thing I do hate about it. It is <laughs> it is the kind of the Satara-esque vocals, like just really earnest, slightly higher register. I just like, I don't know. This doesn't do it for me. But then you have this collection of musicians that have the ability to just turn it to 11 if they want to from like a a virtuosity standpoint but it was like they came in and they said i just want you to keep us like at seven just turned up like (laughs) six and a half and seven but never let up and we're gonna do some changes in it and they're like we got this and it comes together really cool yeah, I love the the studio mus- musician theme that's come up that I hadn't been thinking about. The L.A. studio musician. I think this is a great example of that. These are professionals. These aren't people who are like they got they they got famous as like a kid a teen star and then they have a cult of personality. These are like musicians forming crafting pop songs 
that that have a sacred like a sweetness that get you that hook you in yeah and it all i mean it's almost like what in my mind what differentiates Celie Dion and Donald Fagan is the voice and the lyrics in a way like they got they got some of the same More maybe oblique. they have some of the same musicians yeah. and and tight and musicianship but you know Donald Fagan's voice is like less Good, virtuosically, it's or yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. totally agree. And the yeah. lyrics are more unique. They're not straightforward. They're not right, like, right. Uh, here's this, yeah, whatever. I and, will, the, I will and the melodies it, are different, too. Like, you can't hear a Steely Dan song and then hum it right away. Right, right. It's, it's, more, it's, it's more complex. Fluid. It's, he's just delivering it's the lyrics, but in the rhythm, and the, the more more complicated chords. By the way, that clip yeah. you shared, was that documentary now that uh, Armisen and Bill Hader, yeah. that was obviously a Steely Dan homage. The Blue, blue no, Jean the yes. blue Committee, blue, it's just hilarious. Incre- like, impeccable. Yeah, it, it, It's an unbelievable talent to be You've able to watch that whole And also the doc- Gentle and episode. Soft is a great song, too. I've seen it. It's been it's so good yeah oh my gosh all right thanks jason let's go to janelle 80s pick (laughs) okay um so because when jordan invited me on here uh he mentioned a a band that he thought that i really loved and so i have to bring them up because they're they do deserve a place and it's air supply so Jason, deep breath, yeah, deep breath. Just take a breath of take, air. Take get your deep supply breath. of air. Yep. <laughs> so how so I didn't listen to Air Supply a ton growing up, but I did. I mean it was definitely on my radar. It was on the radio all the time. You know, I could sing along to every song that I that they had. Um but probably eight years ago. We were driving in the car with our two boys, and they were just being really obnoxious and annoying. And so my husband and I were like, oh, we're going to calm them down. We're going to play some Air Supply <laughs> and like just annoy them with Air Supply. Because at that point, it no longer was something I was listening to. And we played Air Supply. And some of you may remember or may know of H.T. or Henry T. or <laughs> H. Tuttle. That's my son. Uh, he immediately hated Air Supply, but B Tuttle, <laughs> my other son, loved it. Absolutely loved it. And he was like eight years old. So Air Supply was coming to Provo that, that like Christmas time or whenever, February next year. So we got him tickets for Christmas. We got him the greatest hits on vinyl. He listened to that album all the time and then i took him to air supply here in provo and he he got the pick from uh from graham russell the guitarist and he came i have pictures like they walked around the the it was at the local covey center but anyway they walked around the audience like they came right to where like i have pictures of benj and Graham Russell, he's just like playing his guitar. Benj is right there, Jordan loving had an it. Experience like that with Kenny <laughs> <laughs> Explosion. So I reacquainted myself with Air Supply, and they have some great songs. But um, one thing that Yacht Rock also says in the anyway, it says it has some disco kind of influence as well as like soul and um. And there's some disco, and the first few albums of Air Supply are very disco-oriented. It's kind of funny. You can really hear those. And the first couple of albums didn't really make a splash outside of Australia. But their 1980s album, uh, Lost in Love, 
is kind of what blew them up. But we're not going to do a song off of there. We're going to do Even the Nights Are Better from their 1980. Are they from Australia? Do I remember mm-hmm. that right? Even they're, that title just just they just came to, to concert like a yeah, couple weeks ago. Actually, Did you they go? were Sandy Amphitheater. No, because Benj has outgrown his love. He's outgrown it. And Congratulations, I... Benj! <laughs> Jason just, just lit up. He, he went so to Kendrick Lamar. I like yeah, the, he went to Kendrick Lamar. I like the thought. Here's the scenario that I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to imagine. It makes me happy thinking about this. So, Air Supply comes through Provo, and this this wide-eyed kid comes to their concert and afterwards they're like guys there's a whole new generation of air supply fans we, we still got it and it like rejuvenates them the word yeah they're, they're like we got to keep doing this because there's a whole new generation the young people still like air supply and then they come back and they're so excited they're like our young guy's gonna be here and, and then he, he doesn't not. show up, yep. and there, and then there's and like crushed. a sad tear, a single tear <laughs> falls yeah. down their face as they but as they walk away. I, I will tell you, my sister in California went and saw them about a month ago and sent me video, and well, they're really, really they, still touring. They are, yeah. Even the nights are better. Even the nights are better. Let's hear it. Just been used Then you came To me And my loneliness Left me I used to think I was tied To a heartache That was the heartbreak But now that I've found you Even the nights are better Now that we're here together Even the nights are That's probably good enough. Very nice. But, you know, it's happy. He's found someone. Life's great. There's, it's happy, but it's, there, some of the chords, there's a little bit of a melancholy, bittersweet, which I think is, is not, um, which is common. In, but then in, in the, the chorus, it like resolves itself. It's right. kind of this, you know, a little bit dissonant, little, yeah, and then yeah. it's like, hey, now it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Air supply, huge for... Slow dances at school dances for me. Junior right. high, high school. That's like that or the, church dances. I should say. Yeah. Safe church dance picks. That was yeah. the pick. That was it. The, these guys are consummate songsmiths. Like they can write a catchy tune. I mean, you, you just go through the uh, the, the songs that come up. The and catalog. Even if you've never purposely love. listened oh, to them, you recognize all yeah. of them. You can. You yeah, can they're they're really melodies. like a modern Lennon and McCartney. It's like that. You know, you know that Graham Russell lives in Park City. Yes, yeah, and has for like twenty years or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I knew, uh, and the guy who played piano with them for several years, starting in around '95, Jed Moss, who tragically passed away soon, but he's like a Salt Lake City-based classical pianist Hmm. that did new music and that kind of thing as well. But he. Got connected with them somehow, would go on tour with them and everything. Yeah. But yeah, so Utah connections. Yeah, kind of like you mentioned with the Toto, like this this kind of voice. I mean, it it was successful, but 
like it's his voice is not as appealing to me. Like right. I have Lionel, to Lionel of... Richie's voice, I love that voice. Uh, but these ones and Toto and Peter's Terror, there there is something a little bit grating. I I had instant regret picking Toto because of the voice. But then if I just tuned out the voice and listened to the music, I was like, no, I did the right thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just had to pretend in my mind that it was Karen Carpenter singing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I've got a dilemma here with my '80s pick. I've got, I've got three, and I'm just gonna pull I'm a gonna, Jordan. I'm gonna no. What's is, is that? Where I pick three, all three? Well, you, you just name us, the you name the you ones name you don't them. pick. Oh, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah I'll do that. <laughs> you, you've forgotten what that is. Well, it's it's there's like ten different versions. It's your signature. <laughs> there's like me calling an audible on the whole structure. There's, <laughs> now we're gonna go with the original, okay. the OG, the OG. Okay, so you know. I'm not going to pick Hall & Oates, That we could. That was my backup as well. Yeah. I'm not going to pick Hall & Oates. I, I love Hall & Oates. I really, they're, they're one of the groups that, again, I, I, I eventually uh, really embraced. By the way, I was intrigued in that, that comedy video you sent that was kind of like the, the, I guess, really what coined the term Yacht Rocket. And that, Hall & Oates was presented as like outsiders that were like challenging yacht rock i was yeah Yeah, i was was intrigued i was intrigued by that dynamic at the time was hall and oats then considered outside of yacht rock i don't know i don't know enough to know i think uh and i mean steve read the article in rolling stone about the series so i don't know if they mentioned it in there i think they were just kind of like it was just a way for them to create some funny tension yeah yeah, funny tension yeah Having but, grown up when all of this was like, like released the, uh, and everything, like I would not have put Hall and Oates in the same category as um, as Kenny Ma- Loggins or Mike or Doobie that, Brothers that's or Michael how McDonald's. I felt. Like I feel but like retroactively, not, it feels like they, they have kind yes. of been grouped in. Yeah, but at the time, I would not have put them together. So yeah. I think it was showing like, like the, oh, uh, these you know which these punks, of these Judea young punks, yeah, Judean which then would front. make it accurate to not include them. Yeah. So Hollow Notes, I I definitely for me I include them in I include Steely Down. Of course, I understand you guys. That's threatening to your core identity. Uh, but I but I also would grant that Steely Dan is more complex harmonically, lyrically, and in other ways. But I just think in the same way that like you might include Poison overall in like hard rock or metal, you wouldn't necessarily say Poison or Rat is as good as Black Sabbath, right? Like you like. But yeah. So anyway, uh, I'm not You're comparing Steely Dan I'm, to Poison. I'm saying in the in the world of angsty music, there's butt rock, <laughs> and then there's Black Sabbath, and they're not the same. But doom, but there's they, doom metal. They fall under a similar umbrella at some level. Okay, so I'm not gonna pick Hollow Notes. That's my first uh, mm-hmm. pull in the Jordan. I'm uh-huh. not gonna pick Sade because I think I already played Sade's "Love Is Stronger Than Pride." I am gonna play. This is in, on the Quiet Storm front of this this kind of genre Anita Baker sweet love
Doom aficionado, it's immediately recognizable. I'll just say about this, you know, it, it, it really goes back to that. Once I opened my heart to Lionel Richie's, you know, uh, front and back, I opened up this thing of like, I can I can like stuff that's cheesy, and I do like a lot of it, not all of it, but stuff that would be cheesy to my peers, I can like it, and not just because I'm trying to be countercultural, but but it is that too. But I actually genuinely like harmonies and things that are saccharine at times, and just this. And so, and there was some nostalgia here because my older sister had this tape from years before and so when i started listening to this but then 20 years later when i'm listening to mf doom and a lot of other hip-hop and you're just hearing all these hip-hop artists sampling all this music from hollow notes and michael mcdonald and and ambrosia and bobby caldwell all this stuff anyway go ahead jason well i just so i made my decades lists and i'm always looking for themes and so I had here's my themes that I've laid out. We haven't got the '90s yet, but uh, '70s FM Gold, '80s Yacht Rock and Smooth Jazz, and then I'll hold my '90s until after we go. Uh, so I don't want to spoil it, but I'll be curious if the '90s picks reflect how I have it laid out. But it does seem like there are some kind of era specific themes that that come up because that does that's why i was curious is that like mid to late 90s because it does kind of that have was, that jazz that 86 86 yeah. yeah and i think that's a good example of kind of the quiet storm which i didn't know this but quiet storm that whole um name for like a subgenre of kind of adult contemporary type music came from Smokey robinson's album called quiet storm which was in 1975 whoa cool. is is that in, in Sweetest Taboo, does she say, there's a quiet storm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if that's a reference that's right. to that, but that's I was right. just thinking about that. Yeah, that's right. I hadn't even thought of that either. All right, so we've gone 70s, we've gone 80s. It's 1136. Let's <laughs> let's keep it going. Let's keep it chugging. Uh, let's do the 90s. And I do, do want to have Yacht a little wrap-up to talk about some like hip-hop samples and then also kind of the influence of of this music today and and we'll kind of kind of maybe do a round there but let's hear it brandon okay 90s um so 90s this is the uh, the first decade where you know i was choosing my own music it wasn't just what what was playing on the radio or what my parents were, were playing um so i'm going to play an example of something that i think would fit just just as well in this genre even though it isn't considered that and something that I did like and listen to at the time, and and still do, um, but maybe maybe along with the you guys's issues with Steely Dan, I don't want this to be considered adult contemporary. But better better not pick it then. Let's see if, if it fits. If you in. pick it, it officially becomes it. So be it. I'm okay with that. Um, I'm going with the Sundays. Uh, this is from their album Blind, '94, I think, something like that. Croxall uh, love this. Yeah, uh, Croxall did did pick this song for for Music League for one of the one of those sessions. I feel is the, the name. Of it.
So, like, listen to it. I can't can't pinpoint anything in it that would make it not adult contemporary, it, except that it wasn't a hit. Like Sundays, my gut reaction is that it's hit. All the other ones. My like, gut reaction is that it's not adult contemporary. What's different? Seems like it, it checks all the boxes. It doesn't have a catchy melody. I mean, it's okay. I like it, but like, if you're looking, you know, for things. So yeah, not and maybe not, maybe others of their songs have have more. The lyrics seem melodies. too poetic, maybe or not. No. Yeah. It's too complicated. Not, not obvious enough lyrics. Maybe. Yeah, there's like more instrumentation out in front too. But I, I would agree with you, Brandon, in that there's it's it's kind of a mellow sounding, it's smooth sounding, it's pleasant. You could imagine riding on a sailboat to it. Uh, Sure. Yeah. It is important though because some it's it is like it brings up this I guess the challenge with the the genre. Well, at some level, adult contemporary just means like a music music that adults like to listen to. Brandon, you're an adult, you know, like you know but what I, I mean. I mean, yes. I was listening to this when I was sixteen. But right. But I but that's I think that's part of it is a lot of it is stuff that's nostalgic. To people who are adults, so but there, there is, is also a certain an official Billboard Adult Contemporary. I checked; yeah. It, it, yeah. it wasn't on the list. And there are some su- like surprising songs from the '90s that do end up on the right. Billboard yeah. Adult Contemporary list. Um, yeah, the, like it's Celine Dion would be like the the obvious. But even yeah. like 90s. even more su- even, even more surprising was that I, I I can spoil it now or or wait and see, but you may have a couple of the same ones, but there's two specific that were like staples on MTV with youth culture that still broke into like top 20 adult contemporary as well. Mm. Kind of surprising. I I wouldn't have guessed that. Well, this, this is why the episode's kind of hard because on one hand there's this really specific adult contemporary chart, which you can say, no, this wasn't on there. But I think Brandon, what you're speaking to is more of the framing of music that's relaxed Music that's chill, music that yeah. mellows you. I wanted to pick something that that, that I you did, actually like that I did like yeah. music you could listen to with your mom and still do. Sure, yeah, I, I could play this in the in the car and they would not be annoyed. And right. go, oh, this is nice, right? Um, but I even at the time I did think like like I love her voice and that's interesting. But when I pictured like being in a band like this, I'd like I'd be so bored like. Just kind of strumming the guitar, or just doing the. Can you imagine being that drummer? Like, you'd. Uh, I think I'd love it. I'd love playing those Neil Young songs with you. <laughs> and then you got behind the drums, and you were like, Rah! And I was like, no, just this, yeah. So yeah, there there is that that aspect to it. But uh, I wanted to pick pick something that was every more night like, the drummer breaks out actual drumsticks, and then uh, the the band comes through like, nope, no, no, put them away, get the brushes out, <laughs> not not now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there's there's this that's an interesting you know it's technically not adult contemporary in terms of charts and yet does it fit within the context of a chill it's, it's kind easy of aesthetic for you. easy yeah. listening yeah all right thanks Brandon Stephen Leon I want to bring it back to music that we would never admit liking and we it's easy to make fun of so um, <laughs> perfect uh, I'm gonna pick I don't know much 
Aaron Neville. Oh, nice. yes. Linda Ronstadt oh, yeah. duet. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Jason's got conflicted because it's like, ah, it's the Neville brothers, but it's no, the, it's Aaron, the- <laughs> Aaron Neville is responsible for all his Aaron Neville stuff that yeah. is very separate from the meters. What about his cotton commercial? Remember that one? <laughs> Aaron Neville's like the weirdest dude in music. He's really good, but he's so, but he was like the brother the, that was the hardest core in terms of he was like coming yeah, out of prison. Yeah, he had his, like his face stuff. tattoo. He had a face tattoo before Lil Wayne did. Yeah. Look at this face. I know the years are showing. Look at this life. I still don't know where it's going. I don't know much But I know I love you And that may be all I need to know Look at these eyes They've never seen what matters Look at these dreams So big so better I don't know much But I know I love you And that may be All I need to know So many questions Still left unanswered So much I've never broken through. Yeah, good pick. Good pick, Steve. Yeah, I mean, that fits yeah, the bill. Yeah, Jason could talk more about Aaron Neville, but it seems like a really interesting dude. First thing, I just remember first hearing his voice and having this mental image of who must be singing this and then finally seeing him on TV and going oh my gosh yeah <laughs> that's not what i was expecting you well, know right. well, the, the yeah the neville brothers were like one of these staple families of of new orleans funk um, and like right there i mean they were pieces of the meters were doing work with uh, Alan Toussaint and then Aaron was like the toughest guy out of all of them they think he served time like had a real legitimate hard life and then it turns out he's got this really soft side and this like really soft voice and he has had this whole career like people love collaborating with them and feathery soft yeah feathery soft so high and you just don't expect the huge frame you see when you see an actual picture of him or see him on TV but also yeah um this just this just seems to fit it's a it's a song it's just is is this one that you uh you put on the the playlist you know that you listen to in the car no no, th- this this firmly sits in a in an area that where like no. I I really wouldn't have much desire to listen to stuff like this. <laughs> I can't even call it a guilty pleasure because and and maybe I don't know why is it just too it goes too much in the in the realm of like the voices are too high and right, they're too right. floaty and the the accompaniment the, and the lyrics is, are too cheesy right, sentimental right. whatever it's just too much it's too much i can't even say this, this is a perfect yes. karaoke duet song yeah, yes it yes it's just too easy to mock i think i right, just can't no right. i can't i can't even like it yeah ironically or 
or seriously or whatever. <laughs> anyway, no. it, it feels like is, has it ever has that song ever appeared in an Adam Sandler movie? <laughs> it probably has. It feels like it should. Well, it's, that's funny yeah. that you bring up the movie because I think Adam Sandler did some like ironic kind of funny did, stuff. Like with he has music that endless like love scene during um, Billy or uh, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. But another movie that came out that did it. In a little bit le- when when Yacht Rock was kind of having a renaissance was Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, they brought in ha- soft half rock. That, half that first soundtrack is Yacht Rock, right? Yacht Rock and soft rock and this stuff, and they brought it back in a way that fit the storyline because it was nostalgia. It was his well, the stuff his mom listened yeah. to, and then you find out the stuff that his his dad, who's this guy, you know, they're kind of the yuppie whatever. But um, but yeah, that was they they all had a resurgence there. They they were glad for the Guardians of the Galaxy to. To, to pump them up a bit, yeah. So, Jason, what do you got for our, uh, for your? All right, I'm going to do. I'm going to take a similar approach to Brandon. This will maybe be somewhat controversial, and so I'm excited to to let you uh, decide if it counts or not. Um, this one did not hit one of the adult contemporary um, charts, so it's not there chart wise. I don't know if you'll decide that it belongs there. Um, by by checking the boxes, this will be an interesting one as well because this one is going to be the f- probably the only song that utilizes sampling. Um, so I, I'm curious. Uh, we're gonna go PM Dawn, and we're gonna go Set Adrift, and they sample that uh, that Spando Ballet song, which when you start digging into the '80s, um, like soft rock. And adult contemporary Spando Ballet gets grouped into one of the one of those um, one of the acts that was kind of on the fringe there. So I think this is an interesting artifact. Um, this is kind of hip hop, kind of R and B, kind of soul. And PM Don's signature was kind of this really soft, like gentle approach within it. So I'll let you all decide if it if it hits it or not. I don't think it counts. 
It was a worthy attempt. If it was just the sample, I mean, if it was just the... it needed to be more melodic. opening. It needed to be more melodic. vocals, maybe. I don't think it counts. more, I know this He said something about a cocktail glass, and I was like, okay, lyrically, he's kind of going in that... It was so close. I just have it so vivid in my mind. Like, it was so soft compared to everything else 90s, hip-hop-wise. So I was hoping it would count. Maybe it's the hip-hop version, the 90s hip-hop version of that. It is probably the adult contemporary of hip-hop. Yeah. No doubt, PM yeah. Don is, but uh, yeah, all right, I tried. Nice. No, <laughs> I'm glad you tried. We're, we gotta we gotta figure out, stretch the boundaries, see where 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 it's at. I'll pull. I'll wait till we get go all the way around the horn, and then I'll pull a Jordan and, and tell you what I didn't pick. That for Perfect. sure was on the the Billboard list in Perfect. the '90s. All right. So. I'm also going to pull a Jordan. Perfect. Do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not a bad way to be. <laughs> um, so there, it was funny because I, in the nineties, I was not listening to as much like easy listening, adult contemporary as I was earlier in my life. And, uh, so it was a little tricky, but when you gave the prompt, you know, think of what you heard in the dentist's office or the grocery store and you liked it. And I was like, Oh, Okay, I can like figure this out. So there were a couple that I'm not going to choose, and one was Hootie and the Blowfish. Like they were, I thought, oh yeah, they were. They had a big moment. And by the way, thank you for not picking them. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, who knows? You might Dodge not like what I do pick. Um, and then in the '90s, the band that I have listened to the most from that time period and that I still love, but I'm not going to pick one of their songs because they don't, well, they probably do fit to you guys, but in my mind, they don't. But if you've not ever spent any time with the cowboy junkies, hmm. absolutely spend time with the cowboy junkies. Yeah. They're amazing. Uh, but I'm going to go with Sheryl Crow. Mm-hmm. So Sheryl Crow, really popular. Great. You know, in the nineties, I was listening to her and we're going to go with every day is a winding road. too much it it might i mean she lists she shows up on like having some crossover but maybe i picked the wrong song you know but it is catchy but yeah no i i think it fits in the realm of like when we're in in some areas like just pop music Mm -hmm. that is like gonna be listened to 10 years later and 20 years later in a dentist's office yeah, or whatever in the grocery store yeah. kind of kind of fits that bill and I, I didn't see if she was on the chart but I looked at those charts too and saw some bands that I didn't realize and I realized in some ways this is just like pop music that kept keeps getting played yeah mm-hmm. safe, right. safe pop music right yeah. accessible right yeah anyway all right I just picked Cheryl Crow. yeah I think I think it fits mm-hmm. I think it fits so I think in the I, world it, of like adult contemporary she definitely belongs 
there yeah. in, in the in the pantheon. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been I mean, like when she was rock. making music, right. she wouldn't have said, "Yeah, my genre is adult contemporary." No, she'd be like, "No, I like rock and roll or whatever." You know, yeah. I like rock and roll and I like folk. But then it's popular enough, it's accessible enough, you know, it's going to be And maybe the other thing with her as well is when she really hit, I mean, was she like in her 30s? Probably. When yeah. she when she really blew up, so it was she wasn't like making yeah. youth music or representing youth culture either. Yeah. No, no, yeah. So, all right. So my it's pick, a good pick. Anyway. my pick for the nineties. Um, let's see, where is it? So I like this. It's gone off the rails in the nineties. Yeah. Well, it's a little. Yeah, it's a little hard to. It's a one unwieldy thing. I thought of a few different artists, um, and since I'm the last in this in this round, we'll just we'll keep going the theme. Um, I thought of Dido with the the thank you song. Yeah. She was she was kind of a younger version. But then I also thought of Sting. I loved Sting's Mercury Falling album, and that's to Steve's point of people mellowing cuz Steve was like cool and hip as a young whatever proto new wave type person with the police. But by the time it's the you 90s just called Sting yeah, Steve. You did, that's did which is a tremendous compliment. Steve, Steve, Steve was a young hip. You young. Were young Steve and was hip. young and hip <laughs> and then in the 90s what happened? He really mellowed. Oh, well, 90s Steve was the worst. No, I well, love so bring it back. Okay, Sting. Yeah, it's we've, we've been we're yeah, we're winding. We gotta we gotta unwind our episode. So Sting had his Mercury Falling album. Loved that album. I actually saw the concert, but it was definitely a ver. It's like oh, this is Sting in his forties. This is him. Like if you listen, the themes. He was the on my, he was on my list. He's definitely yeah. adult contemporary in the nineties. Yeah. and and in some ways, it's like well, it makes sense because you are in your forties. You are you know like it's sometimes it's a little bit um, sad to me when someone in their forties or fifties is trying to like make music that's cool for like eighteen year olds or fifteen year olds. Like what is Metallica still so mad about? Right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's like sometimes these socks like I got, got these socks I got in the gap aren't nearly yeah, soft enough. Exactly, exactly. So my pick though harkens back. It's an Elvis Costello Burt Bacharach song from their nineteen ninety eight album. Painted from memory. This album is one of my favorite albums of the decade. It doesn't, you don't listen to anything as, oh yeah, this is a 90s album, but it came out in 98. The song I want to play is Long Division, um, but I think Elvis Costello and Burt Bacharach are an interesting pairing. Like Burt Bacharach was mentioned before. He's definitely, uh, to me, this, this reminds me not, it doesn't remind me of Steely Dan, but it reminds me in the same way that it's like, it's more complicated than other easy listening adult contemporary music it's pop music but that's a little bit off in whether it's lyrically or musically or whatever but it's high production um so elvis costello burt Bacharach, listen for the roads for for me a big thing with the music that i love of these styles is the roads piano like tastefully done tasteful solos that aren't too showy but are like you know um but i do like the steely dan this this album too because there is something that's a little off a little different it's not it doesn't fade into the background it is easy for me so something is peaked some interest is peaked and i'm like wait what's this song structure here or there what's this different instrumentation um so long division by uh, Burt Bacharach and Elvis Costello. Did somebody try to catch your eye and almost change your sad expression? Did somebody's hand linger too long? Must I now make my confession? 
temporary fracture. So this is this is an album. The songs aren't so catchy right away like some of these other songs, but it's an album that as you listen to it, they become catchy in a weird, weird way. They're still like pop. They're still high produced, melodic. Um, but yeah, that's my '90s pick. Great album if you haven't listened to it. Can can I throw a couple uh, near misses yeah, out and then some, some of the '90s ones that surprised me? Um, so there's a name that hasn't come up, and I think part of the problem is we started off in the discussion like before we ever had the episode. I think mostly thinking about yacht rock, and then it expanded out to like soft rock, easy listening, and then eventually like kind of that adult contemporary piece. There's a name the the biggest the the biggest number one adult contemporary song of all time the artist hasn't been named yet and she's a staple of 80s and 90s whitney houston Houston. um yeah which somewhere in the discussion like needs to be acknowledged what's the song uh i will always love you is the the number one overall but then also like i want to dance with somebody how will i know how will i know yeah 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 and she came up before when we were talking 80s episode Yeah. yeah Yeah, but just a like massive, massive staple that was. She wasn't like pure. I mean, she was young, but she wasn't like pure. It was so poppy. It wasn't just pure youth culture. It wasn't aches driven. It wasn't right, like subverting culture, and it it became part of adult contemporary. But then, like uh, boys in the nineties, these were all on adult contemporary list. Boys to men. Um, Seal, Kiss from a Rose. Right. Uh, t- a couple songs by Boys to Men. Uh, UB40, I Can't Help Falling in Love, I think from the Sliver soundtrack. And then these three surprised me, but they all broke into top 25 adult contemporary. No Doubt, Don't Speak, mm. Fuji's Killing Me Softly, yeah. and TLC Waterfalls. Mm-hmm. And so then that starts to get really interesting thinking about like what is even adult contemporary at yeah. that point. Right. Yeah. It was it maybe it was earlier 80s but or 90s but like Tom Petty free falling was on yeah. one list yeah. too and yeah there's some of it's like it's like the, the slower song the ballad the song that your mom might like of that so artist. So that's what I wrote down for the 90s was R&B and ballads mm-hmm. which seemed to be like yeah. thematically really consistent. Nothing else matters. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Yeah. So it's there's. Yeah. So the other thing is before this, before you know, you talked about soft rock, but even before the soft and folk rock, some of the stuff I read talked about, you know, like Frank Sinatra and kind of the lounge stuff. Kind of mm-hmm. was was some of the initial. Easy listening, adult contemporary stuff. Yeah, Doris Day was on a list. Yeah. By the way, no right. one picked an actual Michael McDonald song. No. No Tom- one picked a Kenny Loggins song. Or Doobie Brothers. Or no Holland Oats. Doobie's yeah. picked a Holland Oats. I keep Many. forgetting to pick Michael <laughs> yeah, McDonald's song. We did hear the Christopher Cross song that had Michael McDonald you know, yeah. vocals. I wanted in. to talk about Glenn Campbell, but I, I never had the, the opportunity. <laughs> staple, staple in adult contemporary. He's got some... Bangers. Yeah. He does. 60s and 70s. And By the way, Glenn Campbell was part of the Wrecking Crew. Wichita lineman. Um, what? And I also love, maybe you'll all make fun of me, but I love Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, just great. Gord's Gold. Sun, sun, sun down. Remind me of Sun Down. Sun Down. Yes. Sun Down's a dark song. Yeah. Um, if you could read my mind. Canada, Canada's finest. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Let the Music Be Your Master. Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion of our voyage on the seas of cheese. 
Gentle and soft.